Coming up on today's edition of Locked On Eagles, we continue our A Beef History series, taking a look at Carson Wentz versus those anonymous sources of 2018 and 2019. Plus, the Locked On NFL podcast ranked their top wide receiver duos. I don't think Eagles fans are going to agree. We'll get into it coming up on this Monday edition of Locked On Eagles. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Eagles your first listen each and every day. Welcome in, Eagles fans, to a Monday edition of the show. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before because Bet Online is where the game starts. I'm Louis DiBiase. You can hit me up on Twitter at DiBiase LOE. Our show page is at Locked On Birds. We're available all throughout the week on all podcast platforms, on YouTube as well. Normally Monday through Friday, guys, though, until training camp starts up in July, probably going to be going three to four times a week just to take a breather, get ready for the 2022 season. But again, still three to four podcasts coming for you over the next coming weeks. We're continuing our A Beef History series today. We'll get into later on Carson Wentz against those anonymous sources. But before we do that, I want to get into this segment that I saw over at our good friends with the Locked On NFL podcast. It was Christopher Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast hosting with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders. And they ranked their top five wide receiver duos in the NFL. And I don't know if Eagles fans are going to agree with these rankings considering A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, they were not on their list. So overall, I think they kind of agreed for the most part. So Chris had the number one duo as Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson of the Los Angeles Rams. And look, none of this is super like debatable and extremely outrageous. Like none of these takes are crazy. I mean, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, it's hard to argue with those two. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are two of the biggest reasons the Bengals made the Super Bowl, right? Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro in Vegas, elite. You've got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams as well in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Hard to argue there. Uh, Your boy Q, the only differences he had was he did have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell in his list, and he had them as the number one duo in the NFL, which is pretty crazy. And then he had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on his list as well at number five. But he agreed with Renfro and Adams, Godwin and Evans, and Cup and Robinson. Now, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith were not on either of their lists. And overall, I think they should be included in at least one of these lists. Would I take Brown and Smith over most of these guys? Probably not. Like the duos that I would definitively take over Brown and Smith, probably Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, uh, Chase and Higgins, I think, I think. But I'm not so sure even with that, because I think A.J. Brown can be just as good as Jamar Chase. He's proven it. And I think Devontae Smith is going to be a better receiver this year than T. Higgins. I think you put Devontae Smith last year with the Bengals. He does as good as T. Higgins. He surpasses 1,000 yards, if not more. Look what Smith did last year with the Eagles, over 900 receiving yards, breaking the rookie record, and the most run-heavy team in the NFL. So even Chase and Higgins, like, I would probably take them based on age, based on the different skill sets, but 
even that's debatable. Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson is the other duo I would probably take over Brown and Smith definitively. So it's those three, but maybe it's really only even two, Adams and Renfro and Cup and Robinson. And the rest, to be honest with you, there's not a single duo that I can definitely say is better than A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I'm not saying A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are definitively better than those duos, but it's a toss-up. It goes to show you how good the Eagles have it at wide receiver this year for the first time in what I think is going to be a long time. Like on paper, we've thought that many times before. We've talked about it on the show 2019, uh, 2018, 2017, 2015, 2016. We've had we've gotten into a lot of these different trios. Heck, even 2020, we had a certain level of excitement. But this is going to be real and justified. They belong on this list. A.J. Brown, the last four years when healthy, easily a top 10 wide receiver. Again, Devontae Smith in year two, I think is going to be in that conversation. Devontae Smith, you put him in Cincinnati last year, you put him in Miami and get the volume that Jalen Waddell was getting, his numbers are better. Look what he did his rookie year. Those two, a legitimate top five worthy wide receiver duo in the NFL. But because of all the movement this past offseason, all these star wide receivers changing teams, linking up with other star receivers, it is definitely a really good debate. Like Metcalf and Lockett, you can make the case for them. You know, Adams and, and Renfro now joining. Uh, Allen Robinson heading over to LA. And when, then when you talk trios, it gets a little tougher because how much better is Quez Watkins than, you know, I think Tyler Boyd's better than Quez Watkins right now. I think you'll look at in LA if Odell Beckham comes back. I really like Van Jefferson heading into year three. There are a lot of great wide receiver duos um, in the NFL. So again, you can make the argument for all of those guys, but I think Brown and Smith have a great argument over any of them. And I imagine Eagles fans would agree that they should be at least on one of Chris and your boy Q's list. But uh, I just think it's awesome that the Eagles are in that conversation with wide receiver duos because it feels real this time, as we've talked about before. Because in the past, they really have not had success with the receiver experiments that they've tried, especially right after the Super Bowl 2018 through 2020. It just felt like nothing really worked out. And one of those receivers, Elshon Jeffrey, is a part of this next topic that we're going to discuss. A beef history series continues where we take a look back at the biggest feuds internally inside the Eagles organization. We did last week Donovan McNabb against Terrell Owens and Deshaun Jackson. We did Howie Roseman against Chip Kelly and pretty much Chip Kelly against the entire team against Deshaun Jackson, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, the list goes on. Today, I want to go back to 2018 and 2019, right after the Super Bowl, and take a look at the anonymous sources, the stories that were coming out about Carson Wentz, his relationships with receivers, the entire locker room in general, talk about who we think those sources were, and just take a look back at what to me was a very frustrating time. Even though the Eagles made the playoffs both years, to have to deal with that in back-to-back -back seasons was really frustrating. So we're going to get into it coming up next right here on Locked On Eagles. And guys, shout out to one of our sponsors today. It's Blue Nile. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of her dreams or celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. No matter what you're looking for, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. You can chat with them online whenever you need. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Lockdown Eagles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagements as well. 
Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. That's promo code LOCKDOWN plus every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Head over to BlueNile.com today. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into this Monday edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Locked on Eagles running strong now for four years. Also, we're analysts at Fox 43. Check out all our written content over at our sister station, Fox43.com. And the NBA draft's coming up. Guys, the ultimate NBA mock draft starts this week, June 16th, with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft Experts plus the Odyssey Insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. Over in the world of the NFL, we're continuing our A Beef History series where we take a look back at the biggest internal feuds in Eagles history. McNabb versus his star receiver is last week we talked about, you know, after Deshaun Jackson made those comments about McNabb thinking he didn't deserve making the Pro Bowl in 2009 at both positions. The, the famous spat that McNabb had with Terrell Owens. You can find that on any podcast platform, as well as the Chip Kelly versus Howie Roseman portion of this series. Today, I want to get into Carson Wentz against the Elshonimus, ooh, excuse me, anonymous sources that we're going to discuss who we think they were. I think I just gave it away there. But back in 2018 and 2019, those stories came out. There were three or four times where an anonymous player had told either Josina Anderson or another national NFL reporter about issues the Eagles are having inside the locker room. A lot of it had to do with the quarterback position. A lot of it had to do with Carson Wentz. And this story, you guys know from me, always bothered me. I do not like anonymous quotes. Absolutely hate it. The one thing I did have respect for Terrell Owens with how he handled things in 2004 and five, at least he put his name there. I mean, he put his face on camera and criticized McNabb in a way that he felt was justified. Uh, he put his whole body on camera when he was doing sit-ups in the driveway, right? This one, I just, I hate the anonymous sources. Like, if you're going to say things that strong, especially about like the face of the franchise, put your name to it. Like when it's about the franchise quarterback, I don't know. I really could not take this time where anytime things got bad those two years, I felt like something was leaking out. And a lot of it was, some of it was not true. A lot of it was, or at least had weight to it. But the way things were being misconstrued, I think, interpreted in a wrong way, in a bad light. I just, I hated it. It was so frustrating. And it all started in 2018. A source during the season talked about a lot of things. One was that they dropped the ball. Howie Roseman dropped the ball, not trading for Jalen Ramsey when he got dealt to the Los Angeles Rams. Also, the source said that Carson Wentz at the time was throwing to Zach Ertz way too much. Then you had the story after the 2018 season from Joe Santillaquito of the Philly Voice, where supposedly 10 anonymous players, you know, were really just bashing Carson Wentz and his relationships in the locker room, his ego, his stubbornness. So those stories came out in 2018. Those three stories, the Eagles were able to overcome that, still make the playoffs, but then that all came out in the offseason. 2019, it didn't really matter that about that story. The Eagles went all in on building around Carson Wentz. Things got off to a rough start again. They were at 1.1 1 .1 and 2, uh, 3 and 3. Things just, again, they were a Super Bowl favorite in the offseason of 2019. Things just weren't working the way they were supposed to. And then you get the whole quote after they lost to Dallas on Sunday Night Football from another anonymous source that said, quote, we need to make bleep simpler. Sometimes you just need to handle what is manageable. They even said that Peyton Manning, 
knew when to check it down. So you had that stuff. You had the story again with Santillaquito talking about how, you know, Carson Wentz was picky with his friends inside the locker room, how he didn't talk to a lot of the guys. He didn't want to run full stuff after the Super Bowl, how his demeanor was during the Super Bowl 52 run. It was mostly about Carson Wentz. Most of these stories had to do with Carson Wentz. And first off, I don't think any of this is completely false. Like everything I just talked about, I don't think is false. Wentz did struggle and still to this day struggles throughout his career to consistently balance when it, when it comes to making more on a play and when to just get rid of the ball and when to say die. Carson Wentz will never say die. He has really, there's been times that he's found that balance. I think the end of 2019, he struck that balance 2017, but then there's times like in 2020, 2021 with the Colts, he just has tunnel vision, like Russell Westbrook in the NBA, where he's just going to chuck up what, what he's just not going to let that play die. Right. Even if it's, you know, second and two, he just really did not know most of the time throughout his career, how to balance those things. Um, I think he certainly was down during the Super Bowl run. They talked about his demeanor. A lot of guys, Darren Sproles put his name out there about how he had to have conversations with Carson in the locker room. I think he didn't prefer to run the same things that Nick Foles liked in that offense. We know that. Frank Reich and Doug Peterson, when Wentz went down in 2017 and Foles was struggling, they had to remake the entire offense around what Foles thrived with, with Chip Kelly in 2013. So I think that's true as well. And I think he did have a close-knit group of friends in the locker room. And then I think he did struggle to relate to the majority of the roster. I don't think he had that connection with everybody like Nick Foles had and like Jalen Hurts, I think, has, right? And I think he did throw way too much to Zach Ertz in 2018. So I, I think all of that has total weight to it. But again, it's the way it was handled. Hated the anonymous quotes. Like if you had these issues, deal with them internally. Deal with them with your quarterback, your coach, your franchise, instead of going to Josina Anderson of ESPN. And then it creates drama. It causes distractions. It splits the locker room up. We heard about Brandon Brooks getting into it with Alshon Jeffrey in the locker room, probably over these quotes in 2019. And I also think that these issues were twisted and I think things were misinterpreted or at least seen in a more negative light and more of a malice light than it actually was. Right, I think people interpret Wentz being down during the Super Bowl run as him not really wanting the Eagles to win a Super Bowl without him. We saw that story come out a few months ago. But then, again, I don't think that's true, though. I think he was down like anybody would when they're an MVP favorite and they lose their season to injury and your team goes on to win a championship. If you're a human being, that's going to affect you. And Darren Sproles, the guy that actually got into it with Wentz, here's what he had to say about that moment in the locker room. Quote, we actually helped each other in that time. We both wanted to be out there. We couldn't, but I had seen him down. So we had a good talk because he was young and I didn't want to see him down. I didn't want to see that mess with him. I wanted to see him up. Uh, see him up. So I just felt like that was my time to get his spirits back up. So it, I don't think it was Sproles yelling at Wentz that, you know, he should be embarrassed for not wanting the team to win. I think that's misinterpreted. And I think that came from sources that really weren't inside that locker room. Nick Foles in his book that I just read again too, Believe It, the story of how he talks about that Super Bowl run, he talks about how Carson Wentz was great with everybody in the locker room during that run and really did after that Sproles conversation have his spirits up. Um, the not wanting to do Foles things. I don't know. Again, I don't think that's false. I think it's true. But I don't think it was about ego, about I'm not going to run the things that Nick Foles did because then I'll just be a cog in the machine. 
I talked with Honest NFL about this on Twitter last week, who I think was a former scout or coach or front office member, somebody with the Philadelphia Eagles. And he talked about how the two were just, they liked different passing concepts, how they both liked different triangulated routes. Foles liked concepts with an internal base, everything moving inside. Wentz preferred things with an exterior triangle, more patterns on the outside. So I think that just came down to preference, right? The offense was totally different. We know that. Again, Doug Peterson throughout the entire playbook. Players just prefer certain things. Josh Allen prefers different things than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's just the reality. I don't think it was, well, this guy's the backup and I'm not going to run all of his stuff. I just, I don't think, and that's the way it was written in that piece in the summer of 2018. I just, I don't know if that's true. And the thing with throwing to Ertz too much in 2018 I don't think it was because Zach Ertz was one of his favorites in the locker room. I think he had a fractured back and didn't really have time in the pocket, wasn't as mobile. He relied on his safety blanket. Like, I don't know if Eagles fans are going to agree with this now, considering the light that Carson Wentz has seen in, in this city. But back then, most people had Carson Wentz's back. And the part about him struggling to relate to the locker room, I think that's true too. But I don't think he hated his teammates. I don't think he was a bad guy in the locker room. Chris Long and Malcolm Jenkins were on Chris Long's podcast last year and even said the same thing. Like, he was a good guy. He was just different. He grew up in North Dakota. It was very hard to relate to a lot of his players. He's simply more of an introvert, right? Foles and Hurts clearly are better in that way of relating and, I think, capturing the intention and rallying everybody around them, right? I think that's a fact but I don't think it means Wentz was an a-hole in the locker room. Does it mean he's the best vocal leader? No, that was an issue that Indianapolis had with him too. I just think that's who he is. But again, if he was a bad guy in the locker room, you wouldn't have seen as many core pieces defend Wentz in 2018 and 2019 as they did. When these stories all came out, pretty much every Eagle that was anybody that meant something to that team and their success those three years came out and had Carson's back. So none of this is false. Like, I, I completely agree that there's weight to all of this. I just don't think it should be interpreted the way it was. And I think still is even more now that we've moved on and Wentz is seen as the enemy that wanted out, traded. Now he's Washington's quarterback. At the time, I think people used context better. Now they probably won't agree with me as much. I know Gino doesn't compared to, if you go back to our podcast, when that story came out, I think things were seen in a different light. And so that, that's where I stand with the anonymous sources. I, I think I hate the way it was interpreted. I hate the way it was communicated, but I don't disagree that a lot of this had weight to it. So we'll continue to get into it coming up next. Who were the anonymous sources in 2018 and 2019? That's coming up right here on Lockdown Eagles. But first, a shout out to one of our sponsors. It's Bet Online. They are making me a ton of money with these NBA finals because they're your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, news, and odds including this year's NBA Finals. I uh, hit the uh, over on Golden State plus three and a half. They won outright. The other day, I took Steph Curry to have over 25 points, Wiggins to have over 16 and a half, and Klay Thompson to hit two threes. You can bet on all of that at Bet Online. Also, the NHL Conference Finals are going on right now. You've got the MLB. Look at the Philadelphia Phillies on what a 10-game win streak, just absolutely crushing it after they fired Joe Girardi. Go bet on the Phillies. Go bet on MMA, UFC, boxing, everything at betonline.net. Again, they're your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and so much more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. 
All right, Eagles fans, thanks so much for tuning in to this Monday edition of Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, continuing our A Beef History series where we take a look back at some of the biggest internal feuds in franchise history. Today, it's the former franchise quarterback Carson Wentz against those anonymous sources in 2018 and 2019 that said he threw to Ertz too much, that he wasn't relatable in the locker room, that he had a big ego and didn't want to run Nick Foles stuff, a guy that was rooting against his own team in the Super Bowl run that never knew when to check it down in 2019, that heck even quote Peyton Manning knew when to check it down. And as I went through in segment two, each one of those stories, I think all of it carried a certain amount of weight to it. I don't think they were all 100% false. Carson Wentz himself admitted in a press conference after that big story from the Philly Voice came out after the 2018 season that he's not going to deny everything that was said in the story. Again, a lot of it, Felt like a vendetta. A lot of it felt more negative than the actual truth of the story. If you use context and zoom in on each one of these criticisms, I think you can find an understanding from both sides. Um, the checkdown stuff, even though in 2019, like, is that true for his career? Yeah. But at the time, it felt misguided and more personal. Like at the time of those quotes, I just looked it up today. Carson Wentz had the second fewest negative plays in the NFL when that quote came out. And he had zero help, by the way, because you saw Deshaun Jackson get hurt and Alshon Jeffrey. He's throwing to a bad Nelson Aguilar and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Carson Wentz was the least of their problems that first half of the 2019 season. So again, a lot of the times it just felt like some of these guys got really attached to Nick Foles and the momentum they had in 2017 and 2018. And then when they saw the franchise just, you know, coddle Carson Wentz maybe, or just, you know, everything prioritize him more than anything even though he wasn't the one that won the championship, I think that rubbed some people the wrong way. Like, again, I think a lot of this is true. I think these were flaws in Carson Wentz, but I don't think it's fair to say it stems from ego, stubbornness, and character, maybe stubbornness, but ego and character, I don't think it's fair to say that that's where this comes from. I think it stems more from stubbornness, for sure, insecurities, just who he is DNA-wise, the situations around him. Like, I think he felt more pressure because of Foles, because of the fan base, because of his his injuries, his roster's injuries, the lack of help, I think sometimes with skill position players. And it doesn't excuse him because all of that did happen. But I think I just relate to it more and don't see it as a Carson Wentz was the enemy kind of thing. Again, I see it differently than most people, especially now. Who were the sources? So that's the big thing. And you guys heard me joke in the second segment about the Alshonimus sources, because I personally feel like he had, I think it was Alshon Jeffrey and Howard Eskin said it on WIP that it was Alshon Jeffrey. I just just think you look at it. I mean, Alshon, he had a relationship with Josina Anderson. He got into it with Brandon Brooks in the locker room. So we know players themselves thought this was Alshon Jeffrey and I think part of this was, and why I think it was Jeffrey, is that the criticisms had to do with the passing game. Not checking it down, throwing to Ertz too much in 2018, which was true. Alshon was not getting the ball a lot the first half of that season. And I think you saw the strong connection that Alshon made with both Nick Foles in the Super Bowl run of 2017 and down the stretch of 2018. We saw how good Foles and Alshon were together to save the season twice. So I think all of that combined definitely points to Alshon Jeffrey. Him and Carson Wentz, they just did not click the same way that Alshon and Foles did. So I think 
Alshon definitely was the guy in 2019. When they dropped the ball with Jalen Ramsey, when they were talking about the passing game stuff, you look at his relationship with Josina Anderson, you look at what the exact quotes were about. I think one of them definitely was Alshon. Who were all the sources in that big story from the Philly voice that apparently had 10 plus teammates talking about Carson? That I don't know. That I don't know. Because a lot of core pieces came out publicly and defended Wentz after. So it's like, were they backups? Were they players that were jealous? I don't know. There's again, each person's perspective is completely different. But I, I'll tell you what, one of them was definitely Alshon Jeffrey for sure. They just, they, then they never clicked the way that Wentz and Foles did. I think the relationship, the quotes themselves really do point to Alshon. And, um, you know, but I'm getting over it for sure. Alshon eventually, give me a few years still, and he'll still be seen as the Super Bowl hero, not the guy, not Alshonimus. You know, I, I think uh, I think eventually I'll, I'll get over that part. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Eagles. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. We'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get the podcast, three to four a week for the next couple of weeks. And then when training camp starts up, we're back daily Monday through Friday. Video forum as well, exclusive videos on our YouTube channel. And we're always on Twitter talking birds at Lockdown Birds at DiBiase L-O-E. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Make sure your second listen is the Lockdown NFL podcast. All of the news across the league in under 30 minutes. I'm Louis DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for watching and listening. And let's go birds.